All these digital technologies, they've been add-ons to an existing product suite or product set that's been set in stone for you know generations, right? But the promise of the technology is really around the structure of the product. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where we dedicate our discussion to insurance innovation. So had a great time at the InsureTech Insights Conference in London over the past week, and I had the opportunity to speak about both new product development and innovation in the insurance space and what are some of the pitfalls and opportunities that we can gain within this segment. You know, there is just so much transformation happening out in that space, and it was great to get in front of an international audience to not only talk to them about what we're seeing here domestically or in the U.S., but also how that could apply, you know, beyond just what we're seeing domestically in the U.S. Um, the, of course, uh, the uh, the listeners of this podcast, you all are international, and it was really great to you know be, be able to provide that subject matter expertise to you all. Now, um, you know, just uh, thinking about innovation and transformation, Nassau Re is launching a full scale incubator in Hartford. Um, now, what that incubator is there to do? It's really a, a transformation incubator for insuretech innovation um, that's going to help to foster new startups um, that are looking to have access to data and um, insurance organizations and so on uh, to uh, further develop their concepts and capabilities. So, you know, I think that this is a, a great opportunity for new startups in the insuretech realm to really get their grips on, you know, what the um, value proposition of of their organization is of their organization and potentially partner and work with NASRE um, as you uh, develop out the idea uh, that you're working towards developing um, as a part of your company and your organization. So, you know, if you uh, are interested in that, just contact Paul Tyler. You know, he will be able to talk um, more about this from NASRE. Uh, you can just get to him on LinkedIn. So, you know, before we jump in, I want to recognize one of the sponsors of this podcast, and that's the Rising Insurance Star Executives, or RISE for short. They're the insurance industry's fastest growing young professionals group with the mission to springboard rising talent and attract more young people to enter the industry by changing its image. Now, the group has gained significant momentum since being founded in 2017. Rise offers its members discounts and scholarships to conferences, resources like free CE webinars, internship connections, a job board, and host an annual award profiling 10 rising leaders. It's free to join Rise, so check them out at www.riseprofessionals.com. So today I'm speaking with Nathan Golia, the editor-in-chief at Source Media, the producers of Digital Insurance. Hey, Nate, it's great to have you here today. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Abel. It's really fun to be on this side for, <laughs> for, for a change, you know? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And you're right. You're, you're typically on the other side. And, uh, you know, you're, you're talking to sort of a, a lot of the folks that are in this space, both on the carrier, vendor, and insurtech side. But, you know, just... Knowing you and your history, I, I always like to set these discussions up in a way that helps people understand you and, and where you come from. So, you know, if you don't mind, talk to me a little bit about your background before doing what you're doing today. Well, it's it's funny because, you know, I get in a, in a way, I guess I'm trained as a journalist, though I have an English degree. You know, I, I didn't go to like journalism school, but I, I always liked writing um you know, for various newspapers and, you know, stuff at school coming up. So I became a journalist and I started out, the first job I had was with a publication called the toy book, which was a trade magazine for the toy industry. And, you know, just out of college, I just thought I had it made, you know, I'm just running, I'm just writing about like toys. I'm getting free toys in the mail. Um, but you know, it, you know, eventually I had to move on, you know, certain jobs don't pay enough to live when you live in New York. Um, and I moved on from there to a marketing publication called DM News, which I think rebranded as Direct Marketing News. Um, so I was I was an editor, a copy editor for this uh, marketing publication where we, you know, was more horizontal and talked about, um, you know, the different ways that that companies market. You know, direct marketing, which is usually in the past has been direct mail, but now there's a lot of digital marketing and database work associated with that. 
uh, when it became time to move on from there, I moved to insurance and technology, which is now defunct, but was a uh, publication that, like uh, digital insurance now, uh, covers um, the intersection of insurance and information technology. And so really like the first, I want to say three or four years of my, that was the first three or four years of my career. And now 10 years later, I'm still writing about insurance. And that's really the sort of niche that I've, that I've fallen into. I really had, a, you know, I learned a lot at insurance and technology, really uh, dove into the industry, was able to, um, you know, get into it quite a, quite a bit, moved on to become an editor in chief of, um, insurance networking news, which has now been rebranded as digital insurance. Um, and that in and of itself is a little bit of a story about InsurTech. Um, just that we, you know, for a long time, the stories in this sector were about enterprise software and mainframe stuff and batch processing and all these, all these things, green screen stuff. And the switch has come from that to digital, um, real time, always on cloud services, um, big data and analytics, all that kind of stuff has really, you know, such the shift. So in the past decade, um, I've seen that shift and it's been really great to be a part of it. And I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's almost funny to think that I haven't always been in insurance at this point. Cause I feel like I have in a way, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I, but yeah, so that's how I ended up here. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. You know, it, and I gotta say it does feel like just based on, um, uh, you know, everything that I know about you in our interactions, I gotta tell you, it does really feel like you've been, around um in the industry itself for for a long time and um and even uh you know the the, the 10 years you know starting in the other organization dealing with insurance through now I, I think that's quite a long time in itself but you know i, I think uh Nate, you, you made a really great point you know uh just even you know five uh, or so years ago when you heard about innovation and transformation in insurance you know you were hearing about uh you know uh, up dating of mainframes or a lot of the larger named policy administration uh, overhauls and and that has significantly shifted uh, you know as insure tech or as other uh, uh, technologies started to uh, you know uh, align with each other and and now you're starting to see this confluence of technology starting to, to, to play out in the space not only in the insurance industry but also um, for the policyholders that we serve as a part of this industry so you know knowing that you know you've been on the front lines of seeing this transformation play out what are some of the major things and the major trends that you're starting to see um, and, and how are both carriers and insure techs responding to that well i think the biggest the biggest trend that i'm starting to see for 2019 in terms of conversations i'm having more and what i see in terms of what's coming out and what, what people are talking about is that we're really starting to see the digital transformation begin to impact the insurance product itself and i think we talked a little bit about this when we did our interview for digital insurance which was all these digital the digital technologies they've been add-ons to an existing product suite or product set that's been set in stone for, you know, generations, right? But the promise of the technology is really around the structure of the product. Things like episodic coverage for anything, right? Um, for short-term jobs, for short-term vacations, for smaller items. Uh, we've seen all that really sort of this re-architecting of the product because you can switch things on and off because you can get data about when things start and end and get this short duration. I think that's a, tr that's really transformational for the industry, which for so long has been about long contracts and renewals every six months. Um, one of the things I think is, is pretty interesting that has led to this point is just the amount of things you can that or could have been insured. Right. And the reason I think that's, that's, that's an interesting, that's something interesting is that, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I've been doing this job, but like, I think about a lot of stuff in terms of like, you know, I'm buying a big ticket item and I want to have some sort of protection on it. Well, now I can do that without having to call my, um, you know, home insurance provider and ask them if this is a covered item. Right. Um, or if I can cover it, if it, if it's covered, if I take it somewhere, something like that, seeing that kind of stuff emerge in the market is really beginning to deliver on the transformational value of insurance and the fact that people are going to be able to get protection for, for things that as you're sort of, you become this person who's dragging, I mean, 
you drag a phone with you that's a thousand dollars just everywhere you go. You know, I mean, when you think about it, like that's, I mean, that's the retail price. I know people don't always uh, pay that much for it, but when you think about it, like we're carrying a lot of, a lot more risk around with us all the time as we become more digitalized people. And that, and the promise of that is, is being delivered on insurance. And we see it in, in the commercial lines with the ideas around uh, episodic, episodic insurance for small projects or workers comp or um, in the trucking industry, you know, being able to, to have insurance per trip instead of having a big trucking insurance policy. That's this behemoth. Um, I think a lot of that stuff is starting to come to fruition this year as regulators and uh, insurance companies have sort of caught up to it. Yeah, no, I, I have to, uh, I, I got to say, I agree with you, you know, just going back to what you mentioned about, you know, us as, as people, everyone is carrying the equivalent of a computer, um, which to your point, you know, could be upwards of a thousand dollars or more, especially with some of the newer uh, technologies around with them all the time, right? And and, and as they're carrying uh, those uh, devices, not only are they carrying the hardware, but a lot of people have their entire lives on those devices. So think about all the, the PII that some folks are, uh, the, the, the personal identifiable information that people are carrying around with their credit cards and their bank information and their personal um, histories as well as you know others have sort of uh, lock boxes on their phones where they're carrying around PHI and uh, personal health information which in the event of a, of a data breach you know that then drives um, uh, uh, the, the the folks that are that are looking for that information it, that's it's worth much more which then translate to a higher cost from a uh, from an insurance and from a coverage perspective right you know so I, I think that a lot of you uh, the view of how insurance uh, takes that into consideration is is due to the transformation around uh, digital, as you mentioned, and more access to the data that's required to provide those coverages. You know, so are, do, do you see it as the same way? And where do you see data playing a key role in the transformation that we're seeing in this space? Well, we had a we had actually an internal meeting today where we talked about some content strategy, and people were talking about what's the biggest what's the biggest, you know, thing in your vertical? Cause you know, source media has a banking publication and there's a mortgage publication and all these different verticals. And when we got to talking about um, data, what I said was like, you have this one-to-one connection that's always dynamically updated um, with every new data set that a person produces voluntarily or not. And by voluntarily or not, what I mean is like, you don't know when you're producing data all the time, not that you're being involuntarily surveilled or something. Um, but I think people don't always realize when they're producing data and that it's out there on them and is creating this profile of them. And that's something that the insurance industry can tap into, but there is that big brother fear. And there's also a fear, I think sort of an existential fear, the way insurance has always worked, which is where you make general guesses about certain classes of people and you, and you put them in certain categories. Well, if you can, if you can identify someone's risk on a one-to-one basis you know, you're getting so personalized that there, you, you know, there's not, it's, it makes it harder to hedge, right? Um, and you have, uh, you have a selection issue there as well. So I think the data, I mean, it's clearly a blessing. I don't want to say it's a blessing and a curse because the curse part of it is more that insurance companies have to be conscientious about what they do. They have to be transparent. You, you want to do the best you can for your customers and not be something they're scared of. Um, and you also want to, you know, do it in a way that keeps you in business or allows you to sort of continue to, um, you know, hold on to customers in a way. Um, and so I think there's, there's that, that's basically the, the long and short of it as far as I'm concerned is that the data is there to do so much. The question is how far can we go um, and how fast can that, how fast can that go? And when do you see transfer of, of risk based on data? Like, um, you know, uh, if you have a car that's, that has certain uh, autonomous features and the car takes over and then the car is telling you, you know, when it got in an accident, you know, the person wasn't really paying attention or not paying attention, but wasn't responsible for the operation of the car. Um, you know, how, how do you how do you um, sort of pet penalize that driver? You know, so there's, a, there's a lot there's a lot going on here as the entire world digitalizes, digitalizes excuse me, and creates data. On, a, on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and, and that, you know, Nate, that, that's completely different than, uh, than what we were seeing even, you know, I, I have to say like five or, or so years ago, even a little bit sooner than that, right, where, um, you know, to, to the point that you made, you know, uh, as, as data uh, is being produced at a more rapid pace, 
uh, and uh, it, it's being done in a way that could be leveraged for things that historically in this space that we wouldn't have um, allowed ourselves to use. So, so you know, a little bit earlier, you, you talked about, um, you know, uh, pro, the, the way that, that, that carriers could potentially be providing coverage. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I think about is what companies like Slice were um, trying to do or Get Safe is, is trying to do outside of the uh, Germany and in, in, in Europe where, uh, you know, they're, they're looking for ways to provide um, insurance at the point of sale, right? So, you know, it, when, when, you, uh, when, when you go into a, a, a store and when you're buying a, a piece of electric, and instead of having to um, get the coverage as a part of your homeowner's insurance at the point that you're making a little bit earlier, you can get it immediately at that point of sale so that in the event of a loss to that device, you can automatically uh, receive um, you know, either the, the, the payout uh, due to the loss of that device or a replacement device, right? Um, and, and typically, you would go to your homeowner's coverage to, to get that replaced. And, and that just completely shifts and changes the dynamic as to, you know, what we're starting to see. Um, but the leaders in that space are really the insure techs. So, you know, I guess my, my question for you, you know, based on what you're seeing, why do you think insure techs are the ones that are transforming and innovating that space versus uh, a lot of the incumbent carriers who tend to be much more well capitalized? I think that one of the other things that I brought up in our editorial meeting today was disintermediation. And a big impact of insure tech and really fintech or whatever you want to say, it happens in our, it's happened in my industry, in media, journalism, right? People are being disintermediated. And when you run a company, you have a responsibility to the people who work there. You have your, your own sort of existential, uh, you know, piece to look out for. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I understand why it's harder to, to push things through in a big corporation. And also because you have to visualize that revenue stream as being in excess of, or at least equivalent to what you're already doing. And that can be hard when you're looking at a big organization, when you're looking at a lot of existing processes and overhead to visualize that. And insure tech's coming in fresh. They are just trying to get anything, right? They don't have, they don't have lofty goals to me or not even, I shouldn't say lofty goals as much as just like, they don't have a history, you know, they can, they can say like, here's a new thing. Let's see if it catches on. And, oh, look, we got, you know, this tiny percentage of the market, but it's a huge amount of people relative to the size of our organization, or it exceeds our wildest dreams or whatever you want to say, like in that way. Um, the big concern for incumbent insurers though, that I wanted to, that I want to mention to this point is adverse selection in that way. One of the things I noticed about InsureTechs is there's the, the value proposition for InsureTechs is always incumbent insurers can't give you this protection that you need. They're not equipped to do it, right? They're pulling the risks that those incumbent insurers need in their business model for people who are, you know, if you want to say overpaying for whatever coverage or, you know, they should be adding this as a rider um, some existing policy, but instead they go to this insure tech and get it. You know, the the selection issue is going to be one if if insure techs start to penetrate at a higher rate that I think will become more apparent to it to incumbent insurers and insurance incumbent insurers going to have to compete for their their own customers back and their own best customers back in a way. Um, you see this with some of the usage based insurance companies like why are you paying so much for insurance? Come here. Well, a person who isn't driving that much is a great insurance customer for a major insurance company, right? But you know they're gonna they're gonna go to the company that's doing it different, and uh, that's gonna take a that's gonna take you know something away from from that incumbent insurer who who was having that customer support someone or some other group of customers that was a bigger risk. So you know, there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts there, but I think ultimately it's just that you know the incumbent companies have different responsibilities and different outlooks than the, than the insure techs sort of, you know, in an obvious way, but you start to see it sort of play out in different ways that, that are really going to impact the texture of the industry going forward. Yeah. You know, I, I, I got to agree with that, you know, but one of the, uh, one of the questions that um, I, I always ask folks when, when, when I hear that narrative, especially around, um, you know, the, the insure taxes, you know, in, insure techs don't, 
have to uh, worry about, uh, at least on the front end, so, uh, to your point, a lot of the legacy challenges that a lot of the incumbents have, right? So, so they can pivot and change and change their business models, um, you know, every, every time they, they see that there's a new opportunity or in the event that they want to continue to find what's working. And, and we see uh, a lot of insure techs who might have started, you know, a, a year or, or two years ago, uh, change the, the the core of the value proposition that they've been offering because they're looking for in the way that I typically tend to put that is they're um, uh, uh, an organization that doesn't have a business model right so they're looking for a business model based on the technology that they've built right you know um, and, um, and and that to me isn't a solid way to run um, or, or to, to, to find a, a true value proposition that's going to resonate with the customer. And in the insurance industry, what the customers are looking for is to make sure that they're going to uh, be made whole in the event of a claim. So, you know, I'm, I, I wonder, Nate, you know, from, from your perspective, uh, do you see that there may be challenges, especially on the profitability side uh, of, of these insure techs, you know, at the point of being able to, if, if they're insure techs that are looking to either displace carriers or, or agents? Right at at that point, in potentially being able to pay for the claims um, in the event that they're on the distribution and, and acquisition side, um, or um, in the event that let's say they're in the servicing um, side of, of the insurance insurance industry, do you see that there might be long term challenges for them to uh, be able to um, uh, uh, engage in at the same level and in the same manner that an incumbent carrier would be able to do? Well, you know, it's funny because. Yes, is the short answer. And I sometimes think about that. Like, you know, I see, I see what I think are a lot of great and interesting ideas, right? And that's awesome, right? But that doesn't mean I want to sign my family up for it tomorrow, you know? And there is something to be said for an incumbent insurer's history of paying out claims, right? That's still going to be a thing that the incumbents have in their back pocket. We've done this for 100 years or 50 years or whatever years, right? And, you know, we're going we're gonna to be there for you. This policy is going to be there for you. And this new company that's only been around for, you know, only been out of stealth for a year, you know, they might not be there. Now, I think, you know, in, the, in, some, in some, that's why I think you see some of these companies go after, I don't want to, like, short-term, sort of, short-term, long-term policies. And what I mean is, like, theoretically, someone could rent an apartment in a big urban center for their entire life. Practically, most people are going to take the route that myself and my wife did, where we graduate college, we move to a city, we live in the city for a while, we have a kid, my wife starts a business, we move out of the city, we get a house, you know? And for, like, if you're selling renter's insurance, you don't, you know, if you're, or if you're buying renter's insurance, you know, you're, you're in that year to year Thing. And I know a lot of people are renting and a lot of stuff is going on. So I don't want to just make general, a huge amount of generalization. I'm just saying that like, if I was to buy a homeowner's insurance policy, I want a company that I know is going to be around at the end of my mortgage. Right. And there's, there's a component of that I should say in, in, in going into my choice. Right. And that's where the incumbent incumbents have a, uh, have an advantage. And also on top of that, you know, that's also something like that is something people are willing to go through the process to do to ensure my biggest asset ever. Right. Um, and so the insure techs are, are carving out these niches in, in short term things that could be long term, but aren't, aren't going to be in, in practice. Um, I guess the renter's insurance is one. There was another one I was that, I, that just escaped my mind. Excuse me. But, uh, um, you know, the short term coverage is, is good for this, this situation. Um, and the other thing about insure techs, I think you were, you were talking about people changing their business model and such and, and things like that. And I think that one thing to, to understand is that there's been a lot of insure techs. And if you're, I mean, believe me, I've just been inundated with these companies, right? And some of them are more fleshed out than others, but there's a lot of them. It would be like, if you'd never heard of the top 25, 50, 100 insurance companies and then heard about all and then learned about all of them in a year, right? You wouldn't be able to keep them straight. And also some of them would, you'd say like, oh, well, some of them, you know, this person seems to not know what they're doing. Like if you could compress the entire history of, you know, a state farm or a farmer's insurance into the past couple of years, you'd probably say like, oh, geez, they changed doing this or whatever, you know? I, I think that 
the thing is to, to really have your eye on the ball as an observer of the industry and say, who's not doing that? Who, where are the insure techs that are, that have had a vision and are realizing their vision and have made adjustments to their, maybe they made, most companies are going to make adjustments to their vision, you know, especially startups. You have to compromise at some point along the way, or you're never going to get off the ground. Um, but who is, who's powered through it and who's delivering a product and, and having success in a, in a big way. I think that there's a lot of noise out there. That doesn't mean that, you know, every company, like clearly every company isn't going to succeed, Right every insure tech isn't going to ride this out for the next 70 years. That's just not, that's just not possible. There's not enough customers um, for everyone to scale up at the, at the same rate. And, you know, um, there's going to be winners and losers and there's going to be companies that made smart decisions and that didn't, but every insure tech that's successful has had to make adjustments along the way. The question is like, who are, who are you seeing develop a narrative an internal company narrative that's showing that they're delivering on their values. And I think that's, those are going to be the winners that we see going forward. Yeah, no, I, I gotta say, I, I definitely agree with you there. You know, um, even to the point that we made a little bit earlier for organizations that are looking for um, business models, right? Um, to, to that point, you know, they, there, there are some that, that are, are doing it really well and, and that uh, are pivoting uh, to uh, business models that will create even a much more successful uh, value proposition for the organizations that they're working with. I mean, just think about, uh, you know, when uh, an organization like CoverWallet started a, a few years ago and, and when they first started um, engaging incumbent carriers and, you know, just recently their announcement, not only around the, the funding that, that they got, but also that they're moving more towards, uh, you know, uh, uh, creating that uh, that marketplace environment or, or a different environment um, from an agency perspective to, to service uh, agents. And, and that's uh, somewhat of a different value proposition position that they started with, but it's one that they know is it's necessary, especially uh, in the space of, of digital transformation, right? You know, because it, a lot of the, the smaller agencies uh, may not have the, the, the capital to transform themselves without an organization like a cover wallet to come in and, and to help them uh, become digital agencies uh, or um, other, let's say, carriers that are hoping to do something that's very similar. You know, so um, I, I, I guess what, what, what I want to ask is that, you know, we are hearing a lot and, and uh, a lot of sort of the, the buzzwords out there, you know, digital transformation. We're hearing a lot about artificial intelligence. We hear a lot about, um, you know, blockchain and insurance. And, and we're hearing a lot about computer visioning and, and so many different things, you know. So as um, in, in marketplaces. Right. So as you're hearing these things play out. Um, what are you seeing as the sort of the, the, the trends that are going to be ones that uh, permeates and are sort of longer term uh, value adds to the insurance industry? And then what also do you see that may be not so much of a value add because we may not know the value or it may not be a true business need for the space? Well, one thing I think that's, that one technology that I think I'd like to talk about for this kind of point is telematics and usage-based insurance in auto. When I, I, think it's, I think it's really interesting. I find it super cool that you can do this, that you can get driving information. I've test-driven test a couple of them. Um, and, you know, there's, you get some really interesting insights, and, and it's an interesting idea. So then, of course, then someone always says, well, yeah, but then in X amount of years, the entire fleet's going to be driverless, so what does it matter how good of a driver you are, right? And that's the, that's the interesting point of it. Well, the technology for transmitting and collecting data, you know, is still going to be important. You just might not have the same, you know, use for it, right? Um, one thing that, that we've also, and, and, you know, that was maybe four or five years ago, I want to say, that I first heard that sort of sarcastic rejoinder, like, well, it's great that all these companies are rolling out usage-based insurance. In 15 years, they're not going to need it at all. They should be just thinking about, they should just be coasting until driverless cars come out. Well, suddenly, you see all these other, these other changes that happen. I think that at that time, I don't think something like Uber had penetrated yet to where you had people giving up rides that they are driving to have someone else drive them. You know, I just talked to my grandfather today. He's 91. Um, he got a smartphone for the first time in his life about a month ago. The reason he did that is because he's going to get rid of his car and start using Uber. And he needs the, the right kind of platform to, to get the car, right? Well, you know, 
a, a elderly driver, it creates all sorts of insurance risk, you know, what, uh, what's the word I want to talk about? What's for what here? All sorts of insurance risk implications, right? He's just going to have someone else drive, you know, he's going to give up his car and start using Uber, you know, and now you don't have that, that risk out there. You also don't have that, that long-term customer who was paying for a policy, you know, relative to their amount of that they were driving was very low. He hasn't been driving at night in years. My dad usually drives in places. I drive him around like but his driving was already minimal now. And, but he was paying for that policy and now it's going down to nothing. Um, and I think that as we've seen transportation, personal transportation trends evolve, you see that the infrastructure that's setting up that infrastructure around collecting and transmitting data and understanding how much people drive and, and how they drive and creating products around that does have short-term and medium-term and long-term value, especially as, you know, they've, they said driverless cars by the end of this decade, by the end of the next decade. I mean, it's going to take forever. I, 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 and it's funny because I'll, I'll talk to people sometimes, you know, like, oh, I see driverless cars all the time. They're coming and they're coming. I'm like, look, you live in, you know, in the Bay Area. I live in Utah. I don't see driverless car ever, you know, and this is a pretty techie area, but people still don't have it. Like if you see it around where you are because that's where they're being developed. And I think that there's, there's, there's some people who, who think it's going to happen faster. Some people think it's never going to happen. I personally go in the middle on this. Like, yes, it's probably coming, but there's still years and years of development and refinement of products and value you can squeeze out of, you know, changing uh, habits along the way for insurance companies. Um, and it may seem weird to say, like, well, what's the difference? What's the deal? With, with, why did you bring up Uber in talking about people driving? Because you see that that idea of I don't have to have a car full time is manifesting in a number of different ways. There's car sharing and car subscriptions. You know, there's that kind of that kind of ownership model for vehicles as people are learning that they can use digital technology for their own personal benefit to not have to hold on to a 3000 pound machine that requires tons of maintenance and, and, a, and a huge monthly payment. You know, there are definitely applications for going for slimming down for going to one car. I think it's uh, I think it was the, the CEO of Allstate um, who once said, if you were an alien and you looked at how, at how we like get people around, you would think we were all insane. Well, you know, we're all, we're just using these inefficient, transportation inefficient things to get ourselves from place to place. So maybe you envision, maybe people envisioned that driverless cars were going to just be, everyone has their own driverless car, but for all we know, it could be driverless cars are just out there and people are handling them. I mean, there's, we have no idea what's to come. And it's, I think it's still good to be working on being able to be expert with these technologies in the short term while that transition is being worked out. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you. And, and Nate, you know, I, I honestly think that you hit the nail on the head, right? So there is absolutely a direct linkage to people that are now leveraging the services of an Uber or a Lyft or a, a ride sharing organization um, and, and uh, a, a direct correlation to the amount of time that they're um, expecting uh, or they, they may potentially be using um, uh, or needing to, to have auto insurance. Um, you know, there was a, a CEO of one of the insure techs and, and even of a, another company that I was talking to over the last few weeks. And and that individual lives in, um, in, in the middle of Boston. And, and the first thing he said was, you know what, uh, he used to own a car, but he sold his car because, number one, there are services like Uber out there, as well as uh, he has the ability, if he needed to, to, to go in and, and use a service, which isn't a new service, you know, but, but a zip car if, if he needed to or he can use Turo and and get someone else's car you know there was a, a another personal friend of mine um, that you know uh, runs uh, an organization and, and as a part of that organization he travels so he doesn't even no longer owns a home he doesn't even rent uh, in, in you know a, a solid apartment for any given period of time instead you know he'll use an Airbnb for the different cities that he travels to especially over that long period of time um, because for him with the traveling that occurs uh, there's no need for him to, to own uh, you know a, a home in which he's plunging a, a, you know a lot of dollars in now to me that that's not uncommon now there's a lot of people that may be doing that that 
may already own that uh, that that property and decide that they're going to rent it out on those services instead but but that also still changes the dynamic as to then where the insurance is going to be required in the process so you know um, from from your perspective Nate you know that you know to, to me that 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 changes the dynamic of of what incumbents uh, should be thinking about right um, do you see that there's an opportunity for incumbents to partner uh, with not only um, the insure techs, but also with organizations that are transforming the things that have nothing to do insur uh, with insurance, like an Uber or an Airbnb, uh, to, to figure out if there's ways to recapture that losing market uh, or, or um, you know, the, the, the potentially lost policyholder, that shrinking market. Yeah. Well, I definitely think companies should be doing that. I think we see that a lot in health. Uh, health insurance, which we don't cover a ton with digital insurance, but maybe we should. I mean, you know, you see these these partnerships that are being formed uh, with the goal, you know, with health insurers, with providers, and with other organizations that are focusing on keeping people healthy. And you know, that's and using and using digital in that way and getting that information and, and partnering it. Uh, I, I mean, we do see and obviously insurance companies and incumbents already partner with you know big other corporate entities. For whatever reason, I, as someone just I just saw a press release today about um, some insurance company, but I forget who they're they're they're, they're the official uh, insurance provider for again I'm sorry I forgot, but it's it, it's for like a car sharing service, and you know but they basically just sold them a commercial policy probably right you know that's what that says it doesn't really mean that they did that they're doing anything innovative digitally though they definitely could you know there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that the insurance industry is adjacent to that digitalization and also disintermediation will provide an opening for insurance companies to get involved. Um, you know, I think one thing that I'm not like, I'm not super well versed in this and I kind of wish I was, but you know, just thinking about housing and housing needs, especially in big cities, um, you know, there's so much that there's so many barriers, but that people have to go to where the jobs are. And it's there's such a huge barrier in getting housing for for young people or or people who don't have a ton of money starting out. And one of the things that you know the insurance industry is equipped to do is identify how people what people can afford in a way, um, or find a way to protect you know both tenants and landlords. If they if they want to make, make sure that people can get housing and are and are not constricted by so many of these legacy processes, you know, around getting very expensive uh, housing, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, clearly, uh, things related to uh, climate change, some insurance companies will take on. I mean, that's another thing that insurance companies are adjacent to. They know how to model risk. They know where risky uh, areas are. They know what kind of companies are creating risk in that way, and they can be a part of that. And that's all part of having the data and having the expertise. Um, there's so many opportunities for the in industry to be something more than something that's tacked on to an existing, um, to an existing transaction. I think, I think there's just using digital, using connections, maximizing your data, maximizing your touch points. There's so many things you could do, um, that, that the industry could do in partnership with other entities. Um, one thing I did just want to return to your previous question quickly um, is that, you know, I do want to mention a couple of these technologies that you mentioned, these buzzwordy technologies, AI, blockchain, et cetera. You know, the thing is, those are going to matter. Those are going to be the technologies that power the solutions of the future. Um, you know, it's going to be something that insurance companies have to understand. Those are really the components, though, and the strategic part of applying that is what is where companies are going to differentiate. Everybody's going to use AI the same way everybody uses mobile, the same way everybody in the past used AS400, right? That's just going to be how it is. You know, that's going to be the standard, that's going to be the standard technology platform that, that systems sit on. And I think that, you know, it's really around the strategy and, and using the, and having the industry sort of move with the flow in a way that makes it, you know, that will, will separate uh, who is successful going forward with those technologies.
Yeah, no, I, I would absolutely agree with that. You know, um, and, and just to just to take it back to, uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in regards to, uh, you know, people that may not have enough uh, capital to, to rent an apartment or buy a home um, and, uh, you know, working with them. There's organizations like the Lease Lock, for example, that will uh, allow um, uh, individuals that are looking to rent an apartment, let's say, to to not have to put multi thousands of dollars down in, in first and last month security and, and everything. And, and they'll ensure the uh, security um, in the event uh, that, you know, someone's looking for it and just build the uh, the subscription fee for the security into the monthly rent at a lower um, uh, premium rate. Right. You know, so 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 to the point that you're making, there's so many ways to. I think at least, you know, to, to think about some of these transformations or, or just just real customer needs, real uh, use cases that customers are are um, hoping to see some traction on uh, to, to, to transform what we're doing in this space. Now, you know, uh, you know, if, if you had to look at one or two insure text, you know, just based on everyone that you've talked to, everything that you've seen, all of what you guys have been putting together for your uh, for, for the conferences with some of these uh, insurtech leaders as well as carriers and vendors, you know, what are maybe one or two that you see as really promising that may be um, sort of a, a longer term organization that that's really going to, um, you know, make their mark and their stamp in this industry? Well, I have to mention Jumpstart. They're, they're one of my favorite companies and their founder, Kate Stillwell, is one of my you know, dear friends in this industry um, since I first uh, encountered her at a plug-and-play uh, InsureTech event. I just found her idea to be so almost obvious that I couldn't believe someone else wasn't doing it and no one had thought of it. And to be clear, I'll go, let's say what Jumpstart is. Jumpstart is a parametric insurance product where if, if you live in an earthquake zone and an earthquake hits your area, they will just immediately pay out, I think it's like $10,000 for you to get back on your feet. And that's going to cover your short-term rental, your, you know, you know, whatever you need to just sort of keep going, your car rental, if you can't get the stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's not replacing someone's full earthquake coverage, but it's all, it's, it's something that is easy to get and easy to implement and obvious when it's needed. And they're doing it all digitally. That you, it's going to be a mo, it's mobile quoting. It's using data to pinpoint the exact uh, areas that are that are impacted and and cross checking that with their customer base. And there's so many applications of that where yes, like insurance is there for you. Um, you know, in 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 most ways that there's a disaster, and but like having to put stuff on credit cards is just the worst. And like, wouldn't you pay if you lived in like a flood zone or an earthquake zone? what's it worth to you to just know that like you're going to have like this $10,000 cash that you're not going to have to pay back just to get to keep going with your life while you navigate the rest of the recovery process from a disaster. I think that that's the kind of product that's replicable um, across a range of, of catastrophe types and across a range of um, market uh, across a range of markets that can scale up and down. And it's just, it's the data is already there. It's been there the whole time, you know, you can just say like, Hey, well, like here, this, this is where the earthquake hit. This person's not going to be there, you know, send them their money. And there you go. You know, I, I think that's, I think that's really great. Um, another, uh, insure tech that I'm a big fan of, uh, is root. Uh, that's Alex Tim. They do the usage based insurance. They do usage based insurance in Ohio and a few other States. They might even be in all 50 States by now I'd have to double check. Um, but what I what I've always loved about Root is that you can really feel the passion for the insurance, making the insurance industry better for insurers when you talk to the people who are involved with it. Um, that just that they uh, that Alex and his team have really been like involved in, in insurance for for a long time, and and really believe in it as an industry that can help people and not as an adversary. Um, I think that's uh, that's something that is is important to have. I think that the thing that that sets them apart is not not just that they want to do it, but that they have the expertise to sort of back it up and say, well, here's why this wasn't working for customers in the past. Here's what we can do now. Um, and uh, you know, I I, I got to be honest. I was trying not to. I was trying to avoid talking about sp specific people because 
you know, there's so many interesting people, interesting ideas that I've seen out there that I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to single people out or have people feel left out. But, uh, you know, those are the two that come to mind uh, based off your question. Yeah, no, no. And, and that's that that's great to hear, uh, you know, that. Uh, and and I, I got to say, I, I'm actually a huge fan of what Jumpstart's doing. I remember when I was first um, introduced to that, I, I was thinking of the exact same thing. You know, it was almost like a light bulb went off and it was sort of a click that I was wondering, well, how come no one else has thought about this already, given the fact that the, the data is there um, and the capabilities to launch a parametric product is is already um, there. And I don't think it's a, a challenging one to launch. So, you know, I, I would definitely agree. And, and, and honestly, I, I think that, you know, a lot of that stems down to uh, culture in an organization, which, you know, could potentially uh, you know, drive a different way of thinking about innovation within that organization. So, you know, you know, one of the questions that I always like to ask is, you know, if, uh, you know, if there's someone that's listening to you and myself talk today, right, and, and they want to take some of what we're talking about and, and go into their organizations and innovate and change the status quo, you know, what advice would you give them in order to be able to do that to do uh, uh, innovative things like what Kate Stillwell is doing and what the team at Root is doing? I think that one thing that I've I've encountered when I since I've been working in insurance is, and and this comes up a lot, is that people the the general public isn't they don't trust insurance they don't like dealing with it, you know they people have bad experiences right, and I think that but I've met people that are like you know a lot of people work in this industry and they all t- tend to seem to want to help you know. I think what you have to do is really envision that is try and envision that future state. You have an idea, right? And the idea came to you in some moment. Well, you have to close your eyes and think, okay, that's this moment. What's in the next moment? And what's in the, in the, in the moment a few years from now? Well, how can I, how can I take this idea and know that there's going to be the, the, uh, excuse me, a development cycle? And what does it look like at the end of the development cycle? Um, and what does the world look like then? You know? One story that I, I tell sometimes is that when I was working at DM News, there was one of the big trends in marketing was mobile. Was, remember when everyone had a flip phone and not a smartphone? It was making these mobile websites, right? And you had agencies and you had projects and you had rollouts of all these of software to make mobile, these mobile, you know, these WAP wireless access protocol sites, right? Stripped down and, you know, what can we do and how do we engage people? One day, the iPhone came out, and it was all over. All that stuff just evaporated. And in hindsight, it's like, well, duh, someone was going to make an iPhone, right? You know? Like, of course this was going to happen. Why did we ever think it wouldn't? And I don't know if you remember what it was like to have those tiny menus on your phone and everything. I mean, it's it's just so interesting. It's like, so, like, let's say today, you know, I mean, I, 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 I try to think of an idea that I can sort of quickly ideate, but I, I can't really. But I'm just like, today you have an idea. Okay, well, what does the next phase of the technology that spurred that idea look like? You know, because that's going to happen. That's going to be the next thing. And it's not going to stop. You can't do anything about it. You know? Um, it's, it's, you got to be ready. You got to think a, couple, a little bit down the road and say, like, how can I still help people? You know, when this, when, if without going all in on this particular, you know, on this moment, you know, what's, what's the next moment that I want to go all in on and, and, you know, how can I operational that going forward? Absolutely. And, um, and I, by the way, I remember that, you know, when, when mobile, uh, um, or, or the mobile, access to websites became a, a huge thing and i just remember a little bit earlier on in the evolution of facebook i don't know if, if you uh, if you remember when they came out and said this but they decided that native applications wasn't going to be where things were and they went all in and mobile um and quickly realized that you know to your point the iphones and when androids uh, were um starting to become more ubiquitous and people were carrying them around and using it to access uh, uh media network data whatever it may be um it had to flip what their model was around engaging in the mobile space. Um, And to your point, you know, um, deciding that you're going to go all in could potentially 
lead you down a, a path that's not going to be the the main direction in which the the industry or people that are engaging in that space is, is trending you know so um so it, it's always something to uh, to consider especially with the uh quick transformation and, and changing technologies that we're seeing so hey um so so you know um just just thinking about uh digital insurance you guys have a conference that's coming up pretty soon you know can you talk a little bit about that yeah, the Dig In Digital Future of Insurance Conference will be held over three days in Austin, Texas, which will be my home hometown by then. I'm actually moving from Utah to the Austin area, not just because of this, for, for a number of reasons, but it'll be like the week after I move. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, the 29th to the 31st, we're going to have, we, we, we've had over uh, 1,500 attendees. We're going to have more than that. We're going to have somewhere up between 200 and 300 speakers tons of discussion, tons of networking. It's really uh, a, a really a great time. There's going to be in incumbents. There's going to be insure techs. There's going to be third parties. There's going to be people from outside the industry who want to see what the insurance industry is doing. And uh, I'm going to be running around trying to keep it all straight and remembering people's names as I introduce them from the podium. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, hopefully I won't gaff myself out of there. No, no I won't. I'm just, I'm just goofing around. But like, you know, it, it, it's, it's really a great time. Austin is is great. You know, we're, one of the things I saw that we're doing is like an Austin insure tech tour. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to be in Austin with all these insure techs. There's not a ton in the Utah area. There's a few here, but, uh, not anything like that. So, uh, so, you know, we're really going to be in one of the centers for insure tech as it's, uh, as it's growing here. So, yeah, no, they're very excited actually, and I'm and I'm looking forward to uh, to, to attending uh, at least a, a part of the conference when it's when it's happening. So, hey, Nate, you know, um, uh, I I do want to say thank you. I definitely appreciate uh, having a chance to talk to you today. You know, if uh, someone wanted to learn more about yourself or to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the website is dig-in.com. We have a new story or three every day. Um, again, it's dig-in.com for digital insurance, and you can reach me at nathan.golia. That's G-O-L-I-A at sourcemedia.com. Awesome. And I'll um, also link to that on the show notes so people can know exactly how to get to. Well, hey, Nate, once again, thanks. I do appreciate it. And I just uh, look forward to, uh, number one, reading all the thought leadership that you and your team produce and, uh, you know, just continuing to follow what you all are doing over at Dig In. And thanks so much for inviting me on. This is really, it's really great to share my views sometimes and get to actually talk about this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I appreciate all the work that you're doing and all the help you've been for us over the course of the past few years since we met. So thank you so much, Abel. So this had to be one of my favorite conversations that I've had on the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. To get a holistic view of the innovation and transformation that's happening in this insurance industry is phenomenal. So, you know, thanks, Nate, for taking the time to talk to me today. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, hit the subscribe button on any platform you're using, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher. You know, once again, I want to say thank you for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next week.